Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing times, the changing world, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it is almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is Tuesday, September 15th, and it is still raining in Dallas, Texas, after five days of rain. It's gloomy and gray and 73, but I'm happy anyway. I'm happy for a variety of reasons. One I want to share with you guys today really quick to make sure I don't forget and leave it out again like I did yesterday. Um, Next week on Monday... I'm going to be on Freedom Watch on Fox News with Judge Andrew Napolitano. Again, next Monday, I'll be on Freedom Watch with Judge Andrew Napolitano. I think they actually do two segments at two different times of the day now, or they're going to start doing that next week. I'm not sure which segment I'm going to be on. Um, So if you have a DVR or anything like that, you might want to set it to record um, for, you know, Monday on Fox, at least anything that says Freedom Watch with it. Uh, but that's going to be cool, and it's going to be a great segment. And uh, Dorothy and Matthew and I are actually flying to uh, New York City, uh, to LaGuardia Airport on Saturday. And we'll be there over the weekend, and we'll be there for our appearance on Monday. We'll be coming back Tuesday. It looks like I've got a great listener lined up to do an interview with tonight. She'll be Monday's show. And uh, she's a normal, everyday person that's that's turned a home into a homestead, and we're going to talk about that. So even when I'm gone, there'll be a show at least one of the two days that I'm gone. Uh, so that's going to be cool, and I want to thank you guys, because without the audience, that wouldn't have happened. It was the fact that you guys doubled every other suggested show and votes. You know, like just doubled everything um, that got me on the show. That and a little nudge from Lou Rockwell. So if you ever talk to him, give him a thank you from me for that nudge as well. He did put a bug in the ear of the show producer for us. So that was cool. Next, let's go ahead and do the housekeeping today. First, um, bringing on a hero of the day today. I know we got rid of it as a regular segment, Heroes and Ass Clouds, but we've got a hero today. And a site that was brought to my attention by their webmaster and I think they're great and I'm going to be brief but I want you to check them out and if there's any way you can do it I want you to support them a little bit today. Uh, the site is called guideon.com G-U-I-D-E-O-N.com like a military guide on that. When you see a military formation and you see a guy marching in the formation with a flag that flag is called a guideon. Right? Well, that's, that represents the commander when he's not there. You're going to understand that here in a second. It represents the commander when he's not there. It leads the troops forward wherever they're going. Okay? Guidon is an organization that was set up to help children of service people that do not come back home ever. Children that lose their fathers and or mothers in combat. Children who lose a veteran parent who never returns to support them. You can learn more about them on their site. And that is so important, folks. I never had a really great childhood. I had some good childhood memories. But, you know, my family was really kind of messed up in a lot of ways. But I had a dad. And even though he was gone working a lot, he came home. 
that meant a lot. I can't imagine what it's like to lose a father or a mother, especially for some of these kids. They're you know two years old, one year old. They were born while their father was away and he never came home. They've never known their father. They're going to need help, and it's our responsibility as a society to help them. And this is an organization that does that. Please give them your support if you can. All right. After that, let's get into uh, our regular housekeeping. And uh, first uh, bit of housekeeping today, let's mix it up a little bit. Um, Join our forum, man. Get involved in our forum. Uh, You will meet so many people. And let me put something out there today. Sometimes when you're posting things in a forum, it's important to remember that text is the lowest form of communication. Again, text is the lowest form of communication. You don't hear nuances and sarcasm and things like that. So please, if there's ever any friction between you and another individual or starts to get personal, back up a few feet. Okay, And that's any forum, not just ours. Next, uh, make sure you're supporting our advertisers. They do a lot to help support the show for you, the audience, and they provide great products and services. Uh, today's sponsors of the day are first, MURS or MERS-radio.com. Great way to extend your communications at a local level. Uh, I just spoke with the owner by email last week, and he tells me they'll be bringing some inexpensive ham gear in uh, ham gear in eventually as well uh, coming soon. So they're going to have more than just the MERS option in the future. Good guy, been around a long time. Great Yahoo group that he has. Excellent support, and that's important. You can buy equipment anywhere, but the support that comes from these guys is absolutely top-notch. Next sponsor of the day is Directive21.com. Again, Directive21.com, reseller for Berkey light water filters. Most important thing you can possibly have in your life, folks, is a way to ensure a clean supply of water. They'll help you do that with great support as well. Last but not least, if you think this show's worth more than 20 cents an episode, if I make you think once in a while in a way that affects your life for the positive, consider joining the Member Support Brigade, and you'll help support the show with a contribution of $5 a month or $50 a year. In addition to that, you'll get some exclusive video content that's available only to you as a member, and some uh, extra goodies, freebie giveaways from James Talmadge Stevens and one of our sponsors, Safe Castle Royal. Total retail value is about 70 bucks, So it covers your membership for the first year, and I'm working hard to improve that. Okay, from there, let's go on and cover today's show. We're going to talk about flu, pandemics, and pandemics in general today. Um, There's a lot to cover here. And it's something I've been asked a lot about lately in a lot of different ways. I've been asked about it by people with legitimate concerns that are scared. I've been asked about it with people that think it's overblown hooky, hooey, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I've been asked about it by no less than a tinfoil hat brigade that thinks the government's using it as an excuse to try to kill us all with uh, an evil vaccine that they've created with the intention of destroying the human race. And, and all of these have added up to the fact that, hey, there's some you know concerns, uh, there's some issues, and uh, Jack's stuck behind another idiot trucker. What a surprise. Uh, but there's a lot of things out there that people want to know about. So So what do I think about this as a whole? What do I think about this in general? Let's start out with the most important part of this. Pandemics are real. Pandemics are a threat. The potential to eventually have a disease, 
case, break out with a high infection rate and a high lethality rate is probably one of the biggest real non-man-made threats that exists in our world. It is one of my biggest concerns when it comes to prepping. When, if you ask me if I, could, if I should only prep for one event and then just hope that the commonality of disaster makes me safe for everything else, if you pick one, what would it be? I'd have a hard time, but I might come down with pandemic disease. Notice I didn't say pandemic flu. I don't know if it'll be a flu. All I know is that sooner or later, there's enough diseases out there, and there's a high mutation rate of diseases, and the, the purpose of the disease is to adapt, mutate, and develop new ways of infecting its host, but sooner or later, one will come out that will be a huge, dangerous threat. There's a lot that I believe that comes out of the CDC. There's a lot that I don't believe that comes out of the CDC. But when they tell us that that event is not if but when, I completely, totally agree with them because the science backs it up, and it's happened time and time again throughout history. And we've developed modern methods of sanitation and immunization and things that have kept pandemics in check now for close to 100 years. The last really big worldwide multi-million life-costing pandemic was the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 and 1919. And we had a couple little ones, in the, one in the 50s and one in the 60s, but really it wasn't anything close to the scale of 1918. So we feel pretty good about ourselves. But what we have to remember is that that disease, that infection, uh, that virus is constantly mutating. And that we think of evolution in terms that are very long as human beings. We see, well, it takes, you know, guy has to be 20 years old probably before he starts having children, and then they have children, and five generations of children never know each other, right? The, the first generation, the fifth generation, of, the first generation is dead long before the fifth is born. Five generations of viruses could be 30 minutes or less, depending on what type of virus it is. Some are extremely fast, some take a little bit longer, but getting into the millions of generations is not very long in comparison to a human life cycle. So it's only logical that sooner or later one of these things is going to mutate. So we need to keep preparing and you know, kind of at the forefront of the things that could go wrong, that really could go wrong, that would seriously interrupt your life. The things that would make you need to rely on three, six, or more months of stored food. The things that would possibly result in a legitimate quarantine where you can't leave your home, or self-imposed quarantine where you refuse to leave your home. The things, the thing that might really disrupt services. In other words, you can't just order a pizza because they're not delivering them because the pizza guy's dead. Okay, or martial law has to be declared because people start freaking out and shooting people and stealing and looting. Chief among all of those things for potential is pandemic. So when I make some comments about this particular flu that really mitigate any fear of it from it directly, please do not think that means there's no danger of pandemic. I do not want to leave you with that impression because we could very well this fall have a deadly strain of flu pop up that we've not even seen yet. That potential always exists, always has, and every once in a while it happens. Please understand that. Now that maybe I've scared the hell out of you, let's see if I can make you feel a little bit better. The concern about the current flu 
really isn't about its lethality rate. It's actually proven to be, so far, less lethal than the average garden variety flu. Its death rate is lower. Now, that doesn't mean that the media won't talk about every single death as though it was directly caused by the flu. The kid, totally healthy one day, got the flu the next day, dead the third. That's how they're going to talk about it. We'll talk about that a bit more in a second. That's not what's going on. But the legitimate medical establishment concern over this flu is not because it's a highly lethal flu. They're concerned about its ability to transmit human to human and how much spread factor there is. In other words, what they're really concerned about is how many people will get this damn thing. And at varying levels of susceptibility, in other words, you might get this flu and you have a few aches and pains and you don't really care and you still go to work and you'll continue to spread it to other people. Uh, you won't even know you have the flu in some cases because your immunoresponse will be sufficient to keep it down. Somebody else might get it and be laid up in bed for two or three days eating soup and uh, drinking a lot of fluids and watching cartoons that they used to watch when they were a kid and uh, hanging out at the house and then go back to work and be fine. Somebody else that is immunocompromised or has other health issues could be killed by it. And there's, there's degrees all in between there. But the concern is since this is a new flu strain and that we don't have any, and it really disturbs me that they use this term, herd immunity to it because it's this novel combined flu strain, then it may spread unduly fast, and we might have a much higher infection rate than normal, and that could cause disruptions, and it's a legitimate concern. Let me address those in the tinfoil hat brigade that think this flu was made in a laboratory. I think you're crazy. Okay? I think you're nuts. I don't think our government made this flu in a laboratory and purposely infected us. I'll go out on a limb here in having somebody mail me a foil hat of my own. I do think it's possible that research into flu vaccines and novel flu strains or flu research or some laboratory somewhere inadvertently created and released this thing. I think that's absolutely possible. I don't know how probable, but to have a strain of flu with avian uh, swine and human elements together is not normal in nature. Okay, What happens is you get the swine flu adapting to where it can transmit to humans because humans and swine are very, very close to each other. But you generally don't see the flu with with genes from two different flu strains kind of combined and spliced together, and then you add bird into that, and there's a potential that that's what causes some sort of vaccine research or something. Regardless, we have to deal with it now. And that's a concern anyway. I've said this before. My biggest concern for pandemic today is some of the research that's going on, and no matter how safe supposedly the labs are, that something can get out. That may have happened here, but it's not a new world order conspiracy to kill us all. Please, if you think it is and you want to discuss that on my forum, stay in the tinfoil hat brigade because it'll get deleted elsewhere. All right, but I do want you to get that right now the people with legitimate concerns are more concerned about how fast this might spread when the flu season comes back and its impact on business than they are how many people are going to die from it. All right, next, um, my advice to you is to prep now H1N1 flu or not. Look, 
We talk about prepping every day here. We talk about storing food. We talk about having your own level of food production, uh, backup power resources, methods of having water if the, if the water grid goes down, uh, how to deal with evacuation requirements. We talk about everything to do with just about every type of disaster that we could possibly conceive of here. If you're preparing that way, If you're working hard now to have that redundant lifestyle, that if something gets taken out of a system of support, you have a means to backfill it because you're using a time of plenty like an ant, right, to prepare for winter. And you hope winter never comes. But, you know, sooner or later, some sort of winter always shows up. So if that winter's a flu, a trucker strike, an economic collapse, a personal tragedy that just affects you and your family, a weather event, it doesn't matter. You have systems set up to compensate for it. You need to keep doing that. If you're new to disaster preparations, and if it's the fear of the flu that brought you here, don't let me say that, don't let me say that I don't think the flu is going to kill you, send you back out into a world of ostracism where you bury your head in the sand and pretend that none of this scary stuff exists because it does. The thing is, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be afraid. Right? But you also don't have to live like an idiot either that just walks through life with blissful ignorance and doesn't take steps to defend and protect your family and home and your own life. And let me send out a message here to those of you who are you know, primary breadwinners, husbands, fathers, mothers, all right, grandparents, that you think, well, I need to take care of them before myself. Wrong, buddy. Wrong. You need to take care of everybody, including yourself. And you need to put a priority on taking care of yourself. And I understand what a parent means when they say I would lay down my life to defend my child. Hopefully you would only do that if there was the hope of saving them, though. Because odds are there's a wife or maybe some other children that depend on you. So it's only a last-ditch effort that you go to that extreme. The reality is you have to take care of yourself. Because if you don't and something happens to you, you're either not there to take care of them or now you're injured, hurt, or ill with no additional means of support. And now you become a burden on those you very, you know, you said you would very well lay your life down for. Because now they have to take care of you. You have to take care of everybody in the equation, especially yourself. If you are the leader, then it's imperative that you take care of yourself as well. Not at their expense, but so that you can be there to do the things for them that they rely on you for. That's part of prepping as well. little aside there. Um, next thing we need to understand is the media is going to lather this, as I call it. They're going to lather this up. Let me explain what I mean by lather it. Um, when you watch a movie or a TV show and they show somebody in the shower, right, and they've got shampoo in their hair, that shampoo is always fluffy and, and you know, it's it's running down their face and it, it's, it's, it's way more extremely lathered than when you get in the shower, usually. It doesn't look simply like the person got in, threw some shampoo in their hair, lathered it up a little bit, rinsed it off. They come in with special foam that won't, you know, 
deflate during the two hours of filming that they're doing while the actor or actress has to deal with this producer that wants the perfect shot and they you know they'll, they'll paint things on them and they'll they'll put things on the person's skin that make the water flow a certain way down their face and they'll create a certain image with all this lather they might create the image of somebody that try to make them very sensual or they might take a person who's been through a very horrific event and make the whole thing look like a cleansing almost like a baptism like the person just feels dirty dirty beyond the, the actual grime and dirt and they, they're doing this to be clean or they might take a person that's worked really hard and show it as a relaxation they'll do they'll create an image and the lather and how they shape it on the person is going to be a huge part of the image that they create in reality all you're ever seeing is some actor take a shower or actress take a shower that's it Right? And it's no different than any shower that you would ever take, except for the steamy scenes where there's two people and the ones where somebody gets a knife, right? <laughs> Otherwise, the shower is just a shower. Same thing you do every day. But that lather is a huge part of spinning it into an image in your head that says, this person just went through a horrific event, right? Or this person had a tough day. Or this person is really sexy. Alright? And it's, that ladder gets used that way. That's what they're gonna do with this H1N1 thing. There's a big story out this week. A fourth child dies in Dallas-Fort Worth from the swine flu. Uh, folks, the child had the swine flu. She also had bacterial pneumonia. Say that again. Also had bacterial pneumonia. Now, Bacterial pneumonia involves a bacterium. The flu is a virus. So what we have is the flu. Maybe the flu lowered the child's susceptibility to this bacterium or what have you. But they didn't die of swine flu. She died of bacterial pneumonia that was part of a total portfolio of illnesses that included, included the swine flu. But do you hear that? No. Not unless you listen to all the details. Every headline, every little tune in at night, to, you know, tune in at nine tonight to find out. Every one of those, a fourth child dies of the swine flu in Dallas, Fort Worth. Now, I, I feel for this this, this person's parents, and, and I feel for everybody involved. And it's sad that this child died, but. To take it and spin it to the public as though this child was happy and playing on a merry-go-round carousel in a, in a park one day, got sniffles the next day and died the third day, which is the image they're creating with this lather, is is totally, totally irresponsible. And the people behind the media, people that are doing this, that are using this to get you to tune in at night, all of them should be smacked in the face at a minimum and fired. Because this kind of hysteria is the real danger. Understand the media is going to lather this. Now, right now, they got a lot of crap to talk about, right? The ass clown is out in, uh, in, in Michigan or Minnesota or wherever the hell he was talking to 15,000 people, talking about regulating Wall Street to the point of oblivion. Uh, we got the health care debate. No one wants to talk about it, but a million people went to Washington because they're pissed off at our government. And you, know, you don't even hear about that from the other news outlets, but it's there, and they'll find something to spin out of it to make it look the way they want. There's so much to talk about right now. There'll be a lull. 
somewhere toward the end of the month, somewhere toward the beginning of October. It'll get boring. And then, you know, that'll be right about the time that the vaccines are coming out and the flu's kind of making its resurgence. And that'll become the topic du jour for about three weeks. And they will lather the ever-loving hell out of it then, folks. And you're going to think everybody's going to die around you in the world and that the whole sky is falling and everybody's got the flu. And every time you hear somebody go, <clears throat> to clear their throat, you're going to be freaking out. And they're going to tell you to sneeze in your sleeve like four million times. They're going to tell you to wash your hands like you're freaking kindergartner four million times every pop just like earlier they're all going to get involved again don't freak out when it happens okay just don't do it go on about your life take the precautions you need to i'm not going to sit here and tell you to wash your hands and sneeze in your sleeve all right we all know that now so do the things that are right for you and your family and have plans in place if a disaster occurs, including a pandemic, whether it's from this damn thing or not. But don't sit around living in fear and don't pay attention to the media's lather. All right, next, this is a little piece of insider information that I have that I thought would reassure some of you, something that maybe you needed to hear. As regular listeners to the show would know, my wife Dorothy is a nurse in a pediatric clinic in Fort Worth where there's been a lot of infections of the swine flu. They've not actually seen somebody that they can confirm had the swine flu come into their clinic. Now, they've had plenty of freaked out parents that are sucking the Medicaid tit, okay, and uh, don't have to pay for a dime of things uh, that come in for recreational medicine once a month that freaked out and brought kids in because he sniffled or slept a lot or whatever. Um, But they have not had a verified case of swine flu. They have a simple flu test they run for influenza A or B. And if it came up A, which the the H1N1 is an A variant, if it came up A, they were being required by the state of Texas to send an additional test in that would confirm whether or not it was swine flu for a while. They are no longer being required to do that. In fact, if your kid is sick and tests positive for H or for, for influenza A in the state of Texas now, and you want them tested to verify it's the swine flu, unless they're in the emergency room on a respirator or something like that, unless they're having severe complications, you have to pay for it and it costs five hundred dollars. They're not even testing for it anymore. Unless you're hospitalized. Oh, it's this grave danger. We have to seek medical attention immediately. Blah, blah, blah. They're not even testing for it. And that's first-hand information, folks. I know it's second-hand because my wife told me, but trust me, between my wife and I, things are first-hand pieces of information. I get clarification if if I'm not 100% clear. That's what's going on right now. They're not even testing for it unless the child or, if if it was an adult, a different type of office, um, is severely impaired to the point of needing hospitalization. Have you heard that on the news anywhere? Have you heard one of these newscasters stand up and say, hey, maybe this stuff was a little bit overblown. Hey, do you know that most states are not even testing for the illness anymore unless the person's in an emergency room, you know, getting ready to be admitted to a hospital because they need to go on a respirator or something like that. That Kids that come in with, you know, severe flu-like symptoms, if we do test them for the flu and they have an A-type flu, don't even bother testing. Send them home, treat the symptoms like any other flu, pat them on the head. When they're done and they don't have a fever anymore, send them back to school. 
Do you, have you heard that? No, and you won't, because it doesn't make the right kind of lather. That's why I bring it up. I want to reassure you, and I want to point out the way the media spins this crap so you don't lose your head. The next thing I'm going to tell you that's going to happen is all these people that think that the government's going to come to your house and go, Mr. Tinfoil Hat, we know you're in there. Come out, Mr. Tinfoil Hat. We have the needle. We are going to inject you whether you like it or not. Okay, boys, kick Tinfoil Hat's door in. And they're going to kick your door in, and they're going to come into your house and drag you kicking and screaming and give you a flu shot and take you to a re-education facility. You're freaking nuts. Okay, you're nuts. Stop acting that way because when they do stuff that's nonsensical and you point it out and you're right, no one's going to listen to you because you've created this image for yourself of being a nut job. Because even if they were as nefarious as you think they are, that's not the way to get it done, folks. You would get it done by doing what's going to happen. This is what you're going to hear. Flu vaccines are currently available, but in very short supply. Only children, the elderly, people with specific health conditions, and first responders should be getting the vaccine now so that there's enough to go around for that group that are high risk or high need. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear it in about two weeks. About October 1, you're going to start hearing that. There's going to be some vaccine that's out there. And then they're going to slowly increase the supply. And yes, there's a pharmaceutical company or three that are going to make gazillions of dollars on it. I think it's a scam. And there's my foil hat piece. I'm not getting a vaccine. No way, no how, no chance am I lining up, rolling up my sleeve, and getting an H1N1 vaccine. Now, is that because I think the evil overlords are out to exterminate us? Absolutely not. No. I just think that this vaccine's been rushed. This, this flu first came on the scene in March. And, and they already have this proven vaccine for it, right? Well, I'm sorry. I don't trust their incompetence to get it right the first time. I don't think they've had enough time to get it right. And besides, I don't generally get a flu shot anyway. I've gotten one flu shot in 15 years, and the year I got a flu shot, I got the flu. My wife tells me I'm nuts. That's not why I got the flu. Of course, she's indoctrinated into modern-day medicine, right? I've never gotten a flu shot again. I've never gotten the flu again. I've kept my immune system strong. I've stayed out of situations where people are clearly ill uh, and stayed away from them. If they show up at work, I go home. You know what? You're not going to stay home when you're sick. Then I'm going to go work from home because you're not going to infect me. Um, And... uh, you know, follow the basic guidelines, wash your hands like your kindergartner, and um, I've been all right. If I get the flu, I get the flu. You know, there's worse things in life than getting the flu, uh, especially the flu that's out right now. So I'm not doing it because I don't trust the vaccine for side effects due to not having a sufficient amount of time to test, prove out, and re-engineer the vaccine for any problems. The rush scares me, not the intent of the person creating the vaccine. Now, you'd say the intent of the person making the vaccine is to make lots of money. That's always the intent, and thank God for it because it eliminated diseases like polio and smallpox. All right, but not this time. Not for me. It's up to you what you do with that. You can do it. You cannot do it. 
but not me. And if it was, if I had kids, they wouldn't be getting it either. And the place you might see it almost forced on people is going to be the schools. You know, that's where you might see it forced. And I'll tell you what, I feel strongly enough that I would homeschool before I would do that if, if, they, if it came down to it. Uh, there's absolutely no way that I would allow this untested, unproven new vaccine created on this novel strain that I think is unnecessary to be injected into the arms of myself or any member of my family. Um, the next thing I want to tell you is, I've often said this is going to be a non-event. And what I mean by non-event is you won't see gymnasiums with, um, you know, 2,000 people lined up on, on uh, cots side by side, laying there waiting to die the way they did in the Spanish flu. You won't see uh, complete shutdowns of every urban center in the United States. You're not going to see a million people dead. That's what I mean when I say non-event. Somebody um, told me they were going to make a bet with me there was going to be a huge event because of some of the things I've already talked about, like the media and people's reactions to it. I think that person's absolutely right. I think there's going to be a huge event here. And this is going to be the combination of factors in the event. Number one, a lot of people are going to get sick. And some people are going to get this flu, and it's going to hit them pretty hard. They're going to get the chills and the fevers and the shakes and the sickness and the nausea and the headaches and feel miserable. And they're going to, because they're that way and because they have respect for other people, stay the hell out of the workplace and stay home for five to seven days. When they do that, they won't be at work. I think there's going to be a lot of people doing that this year. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are legitimately sick. And I think there's going to be people that are going to take advantage of the overcrowded emergency rooms and stuff and just say, I'm not going to go to the doctor, but I've got the flu. I'm going to stay home until it's over and spend five days, you know, writing their memoirs or playing Sega or something. But there's going to be an impact on the economy and there's going to be an impact on industry and there's going to be an impact on the workplace because there's going to be a lot of people out of it over a period of three to six months. That's going to be bad news for our economy. That is a serious threat that is likely to happen. You're going to see them going sh- overreacting, shutting down events like they did here where they shut down you know, uh, the Arts Festival, the Fort Worth Arts Festival, for no reason at all. That was the stupidest thing ever. It cost the city a half a million dollars. It cost tens of thousands of dollars to the multiple vendors that rely on it as a primary source of income for selling their artwork. It was a disgrace. It was despicable. It was wrong, and get ready for it to start happening again. They're going to shut down schools. Enough kids get sick at one school, they'll shut down the entire school district. Parents will be staying home. It'll be a lot more than it was this spring. All of these things spell bad news for industry. Because mom doesn't go to work for a week, there's going to be a week's income taken out of the family budget, October, November, December time frame. What are we leading up to? Christmas and the holidays. Got to cut our spending back during that period of time. Black Friday's not as good as it's supposed to be. Everybody acts surprised. Stock market plummets. Folks, this is what's coming. This is the event that's going to happen. It's all coming because of the lather from the media, though, folks. Please understand it. When you want somebody to blame for this, you know, you're going to be able to give some blame to the CDC because they're going to overhype it. You're going to definitely be able to give some blame to your fellow man who acts like a moron over this. But you know who you can really blame? CNN, NBC, I'll say it, Fox News. 
ABC, MSNBC, every blogger that picks this up and starts freaking out about it, that doesn't know anything about it, alternative, you're going to see the lather worked into a frenzy. And that's what's going to cause the problems, not the disease itself. The disease itself will probably infect tens to hundreds of thousands, um, just like the flu does every year. Uh, a bunch of people will die, uh, generally not directly from the flu, but things like bacterial pneumonia and other health complications. Because the flu uh, will hit them a lot harder, it will then cause them to die, and they'll blame it on the flu exclusively, and uh, we'll have a, you know, a fairly significant total number of people dead from this thing uh, just like we do from the flu every year. Uh, I've read estimates as high as 30,000 people a year die. They they get accredited to the flu. 30,000. 30,000. You don't ever hear anything about it. You will this time. Because it's new, it's different, and everybody's freaking out. There will be... um, A second declaration of pandemic. It's actually already been declared a pandemic because it met the World Health Organization's criteria of being enough cases in enough countries to be a pandemic. But they'll re-declare it a pandemic as though it's something new because it'll be a much higher infection rate because we're going into that flu season time of year. A lot of people are going to think they have it that don't. They'll have influenza B. They'll have the cold. They'll have a garden variety stomach flu of some sort. And they'll be convinced they'll have it. And they'll freak out. It's going to be an interesting winter. There's going to be a lot to worry about. I suggest you save your pennies, save your food, and be prepared for whatever comes your way because this thing's going to impact you one way or another. Whether you get sick or not, whether anybody you know or know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody dies or not, there's going to be an impact felt nationwide by this. It's nothing to freak out about, but it is something to be ready for, and those of us who are ready will fare better in it than those who are not, just like every single event that's negative that comes into the world. I won't even call this thing a true disaster unless somebody does something stupid along the way to turn it into one. It'll be an event that will turn into a fake disaster. And the people's response is, folks, it's always more of a concern. How do people respond? People themselves in these scenarios are a bigger risk than the event itself. Always remember that. Now let me talk to you a minute about the big danger. The really big danger here. Now, the beauty of being a podcast and being on audio and being on record is when I say I've said something, if you doubt me, I can point you back to a prior show and if it's necessary, if anybody doubts this, let me know I'll give you the episode to go listen to but I said before I even knew whether this flu was going to be a big deal or not I said the biggest danger of it will be that it will be a complete non-event the media will hype it people will pay attention to the hype people will buy into the hype and then when the disease turns out to be a flop, a joke, a non-event, something that, that's no different than any other flu, it will put the sheeple into a deeper sleep. And if a real pandemic threat ever comes, and the media is trying to tell people, folks, this is real, this is dangerous, you need to get ready this time, the, the people will look to the media and say, you're the boy that cried wolf. We don't believe you now. 
This can't be a big deal. Just like you said, it was a big deal last time. And you made us, you'll listen to these Congress people tell us how to wash our hands every day of our lives for three months. And you told us we were all going to die and we better get shots. And, and, you know, and, and God forbid a rehash of 1976 happens. And a lot of people do go get this vaccine and the side effects are in it. And a couple people die from disease, from side effects from the vaccine. And a lot of people end up with some sort of, you know, Beyond bears or something, that that happens, and they'll really think it's a conspiracy, and they'll really think it's the boy they cried wolf, and then sooner or later that real pandemic will come, and nobody will listen, and the carnage will be worse. So what I want you to commit to yourself right now is, no matter how real or unreal this flu season is, that you don't let it influence you in one bit over the fact that there is the potential for a truly lethal illness to emerge at some point, and a probability that sooner or later it is going to happen. Now, there's also a probability that you'll be long dead before it does. The next super bug or super flu or super illness or super virus or whatever it is, the next one that happens might not happen for a 100 years, but it could happen next year. And I want you to stay vigilant, and I want you to stay aware, and I don't want the stupidity that's about to be unveiled before you to lull you into a false sense of security because that is the big danger. I don't want you to prepare for a pandemic alone because when the pandemic doesn't come this year and it doesn't come next year and it doesn't come again, eventually you say, I'm foolish for preparing. I want you to prepare for life. I want you to prepare to do without systems of support for whatever reason may cause the system of support to fail. I want you to be prepared to not go to the grocery store, regardless of because martial law has been declared, because people are dropping over dead of an illness, or because all of our truckers got tired of diesel fuel, maybe, I don't know, in two years going up to like $9 a gallon and go on strike. I don't care why it happens, I want you to be prepared for it. So please do that. Please don't fall into a false sense of security. And with all of this dread and gloom and doom around the flu and pandemic and disease, and diseases are scary. All right, diseases are scary. They don't care how much money you have. They don't care what race, religion, or creed you are. They don't care how important or unimportant you are. They don't care what your title is. Diseases infect, and lethal diseases kill. So it can be very intimidating and very scary. But in spite of that, I want you to follow this little piece of advice. Don't worry. Be prepared. Remember the old song, don't worry, be happy? Well, don't worry, be prepared. If you're prepared, none of this stuff really matters that much. You can get killed driving to work tomorrow. But you drive as safe a car as you can afford. You wear your seatbelt. You obey the traffic laws. You pay attention to the idiots around you. You accept the fact that there's some things you can't control. You have auto insurance in case your car is damaged. You have some sort of health insurance in case you are damaged. And you have life insurance in case you're damaged to the point of mortality. And you accept that this is just the way life is. And you go on about your life as best protected and prepared as you can to be a motorist on our streets. The older and wiser you get, the better a job you do of making sure those things are done right. Prepping's the same way. Any day, any time, something really bad could happen. And if you're at the ground zero of the event, it could take you out, yes. But you can't live your life expecting to be the ground zero guy. You live your life expecting to be 
a guy that's here or a woman that's here to take care of the people you care about and love. And you prepare as best you can for whatever may come your way. You accept the fact that sometimes there's things in life we do not control. But if something bad happens and you don't happen to be at ground zero and taken out immediately, you have plan B and C. And there's things that you can do. You can shelter in place, you can get the hell out, and you know what to do in either scenario. You've already done the things that you need to do to be prepared to do them. Your family's aware of them, even if they're not bought in, they at least are aware. So that when the time comes and they realize, oh shit, dad was right oh shit, mom was right, they know what they're supposed to do and they're ready to listen to you. You take action and you do the things that are necessary to protect you and your family, be it to protect it from events or to protect it from your neighbor who freaks out and goes too far. It doesn't matter if it's a thug on the street or a disease. You defend yourself and you defend your family and you do it by both mechanical and psychological means. You do it every day and you live your life that way. If you do that, what you'll find is you'll find yourself emboldened and you'll be going through life living a lot better of a life right now even if nothing goes wrong. Because you won't be living your life in fear. When you got six months worth of food in the home and your boss comes down on you in a way you don't like and you push back a little bit and he throws a little bit of a threat out, you're less likely to cave into it. Because if you get fired, do you really care? You care, but do you care as much as Bob does? Is Bob going to be a bigger suck butt and kiss ass than you? Probably. Right? Is Bob going to have a browner nose than you? Probably, because you're less afraid. Now you get to the point where you're debt free, you got your house paid for, your vehicle's paid for, six months worth of food, backup redundancy on your power, cutting your electric bill to the bone, producing your own food, and six months worth of food in your closet, and you could go six months without batting an eye, then you're going to live your life in a way that lets you do what you most want to do every day. And when you're faced with a decision you really don't want to make, you have an option not to make it. You have an option to really be making a choice instead of creating the illusion of choice. That's what it's really all about. And it doesn't matter if you're preparing for the flu. It doesn't matter if you're preparing for a technological event like some people thought Y2K was going to be. It doesn't matter if you're preparing for a mass terrorist attack. It doesn't matter if you live in a place that's you know prone to earthquakes or tornadoes or hurricanes or tsunami. It doesn't matter if you're worried about anything, a cyber attack, the grid going down, a solar flare, a meteor, whatever Hollywood disaster you can throw at it, it doesn't matter. You're either in a point of impact where it's not going to matter because in a blinding second it's over for you, or you're one of the people that are left and you're ready to deal with the situation. You don't want it, but you're prepared. That's what it's all about, folks. That's what we try to teach you to do every day here. And I'll be bringing you another subject to get prepared about tomorrow. I'll be giving you some more advice. i got a lot of great things coming. I want to thank everybody that listens to this show and everybody that tells people about the show. And I want to end with kind of a very cool amount announcement. A um, person named Guy McDowell from Canada who writes for MakeUseOf.com, did an article for MakeUseOf noting the top five websites for disaster preparation um, online today. Uh, number five was the Dervais' site, Path to Freedom. Uh, don't remember who was number four. James uh, Stevens was, I think, number three with his site, uh, FamilyPreparedThisGuide.com. Um, 
there's a podcast, the preparedness podcast or something like that. Those guys were number two. And Survival Podcast was ranked as the number one site online for preparing for disasters. That's because of you guys. You guys made it that way, not me. And this is a big deal, folks. MakeUseOf.com has like 90,000 subscribers. It's going to be a big boost for the site. It's going to be a big boost for the forum. And what made me so happy when I read the article was the props given to the forum moderators about how hard they work to keep the forum running smoothly and keep it free of spam. I tell them all the time they're doing a great job. So I'll tell you what, folks. Maybe it would be nice if one of you guys started a thread in the general discussion area and just said thanks to the moderators and see how many forum members come in and thank the moderators for what they do. They work really dadgone hard. It was nice to see a third party recognize them. Maybe it'd be cool if you guys recognized them a bit. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Ask you to tune in again tomorrow. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream, and you can holler, it really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent.